Welcome to the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Every other week, we bring you Catholic teachings and stories of faith from people throughout the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. This is the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the episode of the Gaudium et Spes podcast. It is Chez. I've returned. And unfortunately, I am all alone, and uh, poor Charmaine has gotten bitten by the COVID bug, uh, like so many others in this phase of the pandemic. So we pray for her speedy recovery. All those out there, if you're particularly one of those suffering from COVID right now, I pray for your recovery. Luckily, Charmaine is on the mend and should be back really, really soon. But yeah, such is life right now, isn't it? Well, I missed y'all last time around. It was a great episode with Charmaine and Susan McNich on uh, this amazing story that Susan had to share of her career in the Navy, of her being a wife, a mom, of responding to God's call in all these different aspects of life. Uh, it was awesome to listen to as, uh, as just an audience member. Um, it's good to be back. I was out, as you might have heard, uh, because we got to welcome our fourth child in the Filipini clan. Gabriel David was born on December 19th here in Pensacola at Sacred Heart Hospital. He was healthy then. He's healthy now. We're super blessed by his presence. He's uh He's a little, he's a little, uh, he's a big boy, actually. <laughs> uh, definitely really didn't drop any weight and keeps on gaining weight and doing all the baby things. So we're super blessed. And his older siblings are certainly loving on him big time right now. So that is our main joy and hope instead of grief and anxiety right now is, is the birth of little Gabriel David. Anyhow, well, let's get right into it. We are going to kick off, well, actually, Bishop is going to kick off another teaching series. He just ended his um, four-part series on the four main parts of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, so check back to those episodes in case you missed any of them. And he's going to go tackle another uh, another big fat book, uh, which is the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Bible. Um, a lot of you guys might have been enjoying over the last year Father Mike Schmitz's uh, single episode per day, uh, 365 days to, to read the whole Bible, essentially, or other apps or other methodologies of tackling the scriptures. It's a beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit and life of the church right now. And Bishop just wants to offer his perspective as chief teacher of the diocese, uh, how to read this 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 collection of books, these 73 books. And also, as you'll hear in the episode today, just give his own experiences on how he's read the scriptures over the years. He's got some beautiful reflections on how fresh and new um, the Bible still is, uh, even, gosh, 30 years into priesthood almost. And uh, into his 50s, and it's still like it's a new new reality coming to his life, a new word of the Lord speaking to him every single day. So some really cool stuff, Some also some fun did-you-know facts of how the Bible is put together, its divisions, um, just a whole lot of good stuff coming up in the next few episodes. So um, we know kind of wrap up today since we're flying solo, so just enjoy Bishop's Reflections, and we'll catch you back here in two weeks' time. Hello. Having presented a couple of episodes on this podcast on the Catechism of the Catholic Church, namely the four books of the Catechism, that is, what we believe, the celebration of the Christian mystery, um, life in Christ, that is our moral obligations, and prayer. Now, I think it's fitting that I should turn to the Bible, the sacred scriptures. I want to give an introduction to the Bible. I think this is so important. Yes, we hear it at every liturgy, and hopefully a lot of us pray and read the Bible, pray with and read the Bible uh, regularly. But nonetheless, I think it's always good to have a kind of a reminder of what it is, this great, awesome, incredible gift of the Word of God in our midst, in our presence, in our homes, even on our smartphones, in our pockets or purses. 
what is the Bible and how is God speaking to us and what does God expect of us is uh, things that I will cover. So today I'd like to just do give an overview, a quick overview of the sacred scriptures. And then, and then after that, I'll offer a couple of episodes on like, I'll tell, I'll take little pieces at a time. So not pieces, little sections, you know, the, the Pentateuch and the historical books and then the prophetic books and then wisdom literature and then the gospels and acts and the letters of Paul. And finally, uh, the other Catholic letters and the book of revelation. So I hope you find it interesting. I, I love to talk about this. I think it's very important, as I said, that we should reacquaint ourselves again and again, not only with, with the Bible, but with, with, the, the meaning, especially what is God saying? Because God is speaking to us. The word of God is, as it says in the Bible, alive and active. It is God's way of speaking to our hearts now. And so it's a good reminder to us of this incredible gift that has been given to us. Remember that there are two aspects of revelation, tradition and sacred scripture. You know, in talking about the catechism, it's it's a little oversimplification to say this represents the tradition of the church, but tradition is the uh, the teaching, the official teaching of the church, uh, as has been that that is handed on through apostolic succession through the bishops. Now, you know, from the apostles to their successors and to their successors on to today to the magisterium of the church. But there is tradition and sacred scripture. And the Catechism itself says this about tradition. Tradition is the living transmission of the message of the gospel in the church. So that's everything you get. It's not not just as though tradition is the teaching of the bishops and then you have separately the Bible. No, it is this. I like how it all comes together. Tradition is the living transmission of the message of the gospel in the church. Tradition is the truth that is handed down to us through the magisterium of the church. Some, like Martin Luther, would assert that there is only one source or one aspect of tradition, of the truth, and that is sacred scripture. And so perhaps you have heard of the phrase sola scriptura, only scripture. Anything else is is false, is not part of the truth, the deposit of faith. But this statement, sola scriptura, is not even found, and neither is the concept in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say this is the only source of truth. In fact, we know from St. Paul and St. John and some of the other writers in the Bible, when they were in the New Testament, they say, "You you, you must believe everything that you have seen me do and heard me say in addition to the scriptures. So they don't just say, just don't, don't believe anything except what you read. And it's, it's good to remember that they didn't even have the scriptures at that time. Very, very few people had access to any scrolls that made up what was the Old Testament. And, um, and the New Testament didn't even exist, you know, it, as we know it now for a century or more. And so um, we have to remember that tradition and scripture are both two aspects of revelation. Together, they lead us to the truth. Neither one can contradict the other. It's not like if you search the Bible, you'll find something that contradicts the the catechism of the church. No, they both go together, and you'll see that the catechism references the Bible constantly and continually. They work together in bringing us to the truth. This is not at all surprising, of course, to us, because it is the same Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures 
who also inspires us, God's people, to know God and to serve him in the world. So it's the same Holy Spirit working in the church, in the bishops, in the magisterium that is given to us in uh, in our in the sacraments and that has inspired the scriptures, the writing of the scriptures, and inspires us to read them and understand them. Jesus himself said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you to all truth. Thus, after receiving the Holy Spirits, the apostles started to preach and teach boldly. They didn't have the gospel or the letters of St. Paul to read or reference. They spoke about what they had seen and heard, what had been revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. Over time, of course, the early church decided to write down their understanding of the gospel, how it had been revealed to them or what they had experienced. Again, inspired completely by the Holy Spirit. And also, the successors of the apostles, that is, the bishops, decided which works were to be counted as biblical and which weren't. So we affirm that there are two aspects of Revelation, tradition and the sacred scriptures. And so we turn to sacred scripture. Now, many people ask me a couple of questions about the Bible when I talk about it. First of all, where do you even start, they say? I mean, look at this. It's a thick book. In fact, of course, it's not just one book, but 73 books. And secondly, when we read it, if I read it, how do I know what it means? How do I know what God is saying to me? So I'll answer both of these questions, but in reverse order. How do I know what God is saying to me? Well, there's a great story in the Bible itself, in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. There, just just a few, just very shortly after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus and the sending of the Holy Spirit, in that same time, Philip, one of the apostles, is inspired by the Holy Spirit to catch up to a, a coach and, and talk to the person traveling by. He runs up to, the, to, to it, opens the door, and he sees a court official reading from reading a scroll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. We know that he must have been a person of means. He had a scroll that he was at least borrowing to read. And Philip is inspired to ask him, do you know what you are reading? Do you know what that means? And the court official's response is very telling. He said, how can I if no one is here to instruct me? And so Philip thinks, all right, here I am. He gets in and, and, um, and he looks to see what he is reading. And the official asks Philip, is this text about the prophet himself or is he speaking about something else? And it says right there, beginning with that text, I love this. Philip preached Jesus to the man. He basically showed him how the prophet Isaiah, and all the prophets indeed, point to the coming of the Lord and his salvific action, his death and resurrection for us, which just happened, he said. And he instructed him, he he catechized and evangelized him. And it must have been so meaningful, so good, that they were passing water and the the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, there's water. What is to prevent my being baptized right now? And the answer was nothing. They got out, Philip baptized him, and then it says Philip was snatched away in the Holy Spirit. But I love that. I love that that question is, it's not really haunting, but it's very telling. How can I understand scripture unless someone instructs me? I think this reminds us of the necessity to have, to belong to a community like, of course, the Catholic Church, to have not only trusted but anointed 
people, the bishops, the magisterium, to help us to understand what the scripture means. Not just for me in my little life, my family, although that's important, but for the whole world, for all time. What is scripture telling us? What is, what is, how is God instructing us to live and to, to respond to his son, to, to be his disciples? How is that happening? And so the church does that for us, and that's really awesome. Now, it's true. All the baptized have received the Holy Spirit. We have, we have, and then in confirmation, that is confirmed in us. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, just as the bishops today, just as the apostles had in Jesus' day in that time. We can each read and understand the scripture, and we should, we must do that. We must pray, God, enlighten me, help me to know what you want me to hear, and give me the courage and strength to do it. So God does speak to us all individually. But if each of us just holds on to our own interpretation of scripture, you know, just insisting that this is the truth, well, where will that get us? There is no community. There is no common understanding of the faith. And um, and you see this happening, well, with a lot of people. They may say, well, this is how I read the scripture, and this is what God is saying to me. I don't know if it says something different to you, but that's fine. This is my truth. Well, you know, again, you could do that with almost every text in the Bible. If you just look at, if you want it to say something, just, you know, keep searching and you'll find something that supports your opinion or your 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 um whatever your your thoughts on a certain subject but the church is given by god the church is anointed by god the church is the body of christ on earth given to us to help us to understand the scriptures so that we can live our faith together not just as a bunch of individuals following the lord but as a body of christ loving god and loving one another just as in jesus's day um, the bishops and priests today are tasked with inter- interpreting the word and teaching with the authority of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' day, it was the scribes and the Pharisees. And in fact, we even see Jesus says, you know, there's a lot of stories in the Gospels where Jesus seems to be very critical of some of the scribes and Pharisees. However, no matter what, he says, you should listen to everything they say. Yes, do not follow their bad example when they sin, but he says, listen to everything because they have been given this task. They're anointed to do that for in his day. And so even then, Jesus said, you know, you must listen to the authorities on the proper interpretation of scripture and of the faith. So it's the same thing today too. And Jesus charged the disciples, go teach all nations. He tells people to listen to them, listen to his successors, I'm sorry, his, the people he sent, that is, uh, the apostles and later the bishops. So today, our clergy, deacons, priests, and bishops are ordained by God to hand on the revealed truth that has been given to us in the church. So what about that first question? Where do you start? Where do you even start with the Bible? That's a great question, and I know it can be daunting, especially if you've never really just picked up the Bible and read it yourself. Well, you could start from the beginning, like a regular book, like a traditional book, you know, that's, and it starts in the beginning, the first few words in the book of Genesis, and read all the way to the end, Revelation, where it almost, it ends kind of with amen, but I wish that would be really nice if it did that, but 
re- nonetheless, you have to remember this is this is not meant to be read like that. The Bible is not like a novel or you know a book that we would have today. It's not meant to be read cover to cover. In fact, it is seventy three books that have been put together that have been grouped in different genres to help us to understand history, prophecy, wisdom, and of course, the climactic part of the Bible is the Gospels to understand the fullness of the revelation of God in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. That is our salvation. So that's how it is arranged. So you could read cover to cover, and I know people do that. I did it myself. I wanted to say that I did that. So I think it was in high school that I decided I'm just going to do it. I'm going to push through. I'm going to read it. And, you know, if you do this, you'll you'll find a lot of people find this. You start out in Genesis and you think, oh, I know a lot of this. I know the story of Adam and Eve and Noah and the flood and um, all the, the, the Abraham, Moses. I, I know all of these. And so you're excited. And well, that was easy. Genesis. Well, then you move into Exodus. Okay, great. The story of the Exodus, um, the, uh, the, the liberation of our ancestors from Pharaoh's slavery. Okay, that's really, I know that, Moses and everything. Well, then you get into Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and people start to, their eyes, your eyes glaze over because there's a lot of, of details, a lot of uh, the census, a lot of names in the census in the book of Numbers, and a lot of laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, especially one after, the, after another, over and over again. And at that point, perhaps many people will close the Bible and say, that's why I don't read the Bible. I just don't understand it, you know. So if you do read it cover to cover, if you will, then just keep going, you know. That's what I say. But, you know, there is another way, though, and that is to, yes, skip around. I would, and that's what I recommend to people. I would, you know, start with something you know well, probably one of the Gospels. And I would even be more specific and say I would start with um, the Gospel of Mark, it seems to be, it's the smallest one. It's it's the most uh, condensed, if you will, not really condensed, but Mark is just kind of writing rapidly, you know, just uh, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And uh, later on, Luke and Matthew took a lot of Mark's gospel, I think it's 70%, and made it part of theirs, but then also added on to it a little bit, you know, kind of expanding the uh, the accounts that, that's found in that, plus they had other sources as well. And then John's gospel was the latest to be written, and um, also is much more theological, if you will, as well as including a lot of the uh, the accounts of Jesus' day, and of course, his passion and death and resurrection. But I would say maybe start with the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of Luke, and that leads right into Acts. The same author, sacred author who wrote Luke, also wrote Acts, and even says this is part one and part two. So you have the Gospel, and then you see how our ancestors wrestled with how do you live this Gospel now? How do you live this new way of life? So I would just recommend starting with something like that, one of the Gospels, either it could be any of them. And then after that, now you can, maybe that will lead you to one of the books, one of the prophetic books like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel, which which point to the coming of the Lord and his, his work in the world. And so we go back to that. Then maybe go back to one of the letters of St. Paul and now, now go back to the, some of the Psalms. And, and you can just go back and forth, I think, like that. Um, you know, you can you can write in your Bible. Some people have asked that. Is that okay to do? Sure, keep notes in the in the um, in the margins or underline or highlight things. I've I've seen 
some people's Bibles that are just all highlighted and marked up, and I think that's great. But one of the things you can do right at the beginning is they have an index, you know, and, uh, and a table of contents, if you will. So you can go and just, after you've read a book, if you want to read the whole Bible and say you've done it, then check that off and just keep skipping around and doing that. So that's that's my advice, is not to read it cover to cover because it's not meant to be read like that, and it, you, it might you might get lost a little bit. But I would invite you to go back and forth. Remember, this is not an intellectual endeavor. Even if that's your goal, I'm going to read the Bible this year, you know, that's great. But this is not just something up here, you know, it's not that it's, it's not for you to be able to say, I did it, you know, and to read it as fast as you can. But the Bible is, again, God's very word, God's self-revelation to us. I mean, think about that. What? How? What an awesome thing. God not only wants us to know him and love him, but he gives us the means to do that. He says, here I am in the sacred scriptures. Read them, pray with them, and you will hear my voice. You will come to know me. Remember, this is not an intellectual exercise, even if that's your goal to read the Bible, read the whole Bible and say you did. This is not just about accomplishing, you know, one of your goals or tasks. This is a spiritual exercise, and it always will be. Even our theologians who study the Word of God, this, they have to begin with faith. St. Anselm said, faith seeking understanding. That's really what it's all about. It starts with faith, and theology is our attempt to understand it, to grow. Just like same thing with the, the scriptures, reading the scriptures. We start with faith, and reading the scriptures is, being, is, our way, is God's way of leading us deeper into the faith. And so what I would really strongly recommend and urge you to do before, while you're reading or praying with the scriptures, is to ask God for the Holy Spirit. Ask God to enlighten you. God, open my mind, open my hearts, my heart, so that I may understand or comprehend your word, you know, so that so that um, you can speak to me with a clear and open heart. And also, here's another piece of advice. Take your time. Don't set as a goal, I am, you know, no matter what, I'm going to finish this book tonight um, of the Bible. You know, sometimes this, I hope this happens to you. It happens to me all the time when I'm reading the scriptures or the Psalms uh, uh, privately. I'll stop on one word or one phrase, and I just, there's something about that that captures my attention. And, you know, maybe it's just the way it's, the way it's worded or whatever. Maybe it's God's way of saying, Bill, stop right there and just think about that. You know, it's like this morning when I was praying the Office of Readings, the last line of Psalm 18 is, with my God, I can scale any wall. Beautiful, just perfect. That was written or inspired 3,000 years ago. And yet it says, relevant today, this morning when I read it as it was then, with my God, I can scale any wall. I love that. It just, it it helped me this morning as I came into the office. I thought, you know what? No matter what happens, God is with me. God is with us. It's going to be okay. So, you know, I think God would have forgiven me if I would have just stopped there and just focused on that one phrase, that one sentence for my morning prayer. But of course I went on. But anyway, as you read scripture, you're going to find that a lot. You'll find a certain story, an account, um, a word uh, that, that just captures your heart. And I would say, take your time, stay with it. Remember that, that the goal, again, is not just to finish, but to, to, to come to know the Lord through the sacred scriptures. Now, people also ask, 
what version? There's so many versions out there of the Bible. You know, there's the New Jerome Biblical, uh, New Jerome Bible. There's the Living Bible. The um, oh my gosh, there's so many of them. Well, um, I would highly recommend, and so do all bishops, of course, the New American Bible or New American Revised Edition. So NAB or NABRE, um, t- because well, that's because that's the one the bishops in the United States have endorsed officially, if you will. Um, I like it because it is very clear. It's what we use at Mass and in our liturgies. And um, also what I like about it is I like the the footnotes and the notes in general. They're very clear and they um, they help to to explain a lot of a lot of things that that um, that we may have questions about. I'm so amazed often, you know, I'll read something in, in the Bible here and, uh, and I, I, I think, what, I wonder where that comes from. Where does that law or something come from? And sure enough, there's almost always a little star or an asterisk. And I look down at the bottom of the page and it either explains it or points to another book of the Bible that explains it, which I just love. So that's part of taking your time reading it. Again, don't just push through it, but Stop on the, read the notes, and uh, and if that leads you to another book or another something or another understanding, great, stay with it. I love that about this. Another question people ask me is, why are there more books in the Catholic Bible? I have friends who are Protestant in their Bible. They only have 66, 65 books. Why do we have 73? And, you know, frankly, some who are not Catholic, some other Christians will say, well, Catholics added these extra books later into the Bible. And of course, that's not true. But it is good. It's important to know a little bit about the history. It was the third or second centuries, right around in there, that the king of Egypt um, asked, forced the, um, the Jewish community in Alexandria, especially scholars there, 70 scholars, to translate the, what they had in the script, that were the scriptures at the time, into Greek. And these 70 scholars um, did that, and they have this, so we have that version. Um, that's why it's known as the Septuagint. It's the, the, that means 70, so the 70 scholars did that. And that was in use then, even in Jesus' time and afterwards. However, also in Jesus' time, shortly after, well, then and after the resurrection, the earliest church was also referencing other books that were not in Hebrew, but were already written in Greek. And so books like Wisdom and Sirach and Tobit and Judith, you know, these and the books of Maccabees, these were already being used, being, well, yeah, they were part of the liturgical life of the church already. And so they were long in use. And so when the co- when the canon was finally set down, all 73 of those books were, were laid out, were, were, were put in place. And all the way then in the 15th century, then during you know when when there was some controversy and Martin Luther then was um, was are differing with with many of the church positions, um, that's at the point where Martin Luther said, "No, we're going to go with the Septuagint. We're going to go with what we what was translated into Greek." And so, it's not a matter of the Catholic Church adding extra books. It's actually others taking out those books that had long been used and long been considered biblical. So a lot of Protestant Bibles will have, you know, it says the Bible and then with the Apocrypha, they say, which is all those books that that we believe are canonical. They believe they're holy and inspired, but not on the level of the Bible. Of course, we believe that it's part of the canon. So that's important to know. Lastly, I would say my, my last piece of advice is don't be intimidated 
by the Bible. You know, you may be talk, you may talk to somebody else, another Christian, and they may be able just to kind of to give you a lot, a lot of different quotes from the Bible. You know, they may say, well, there's John 3.16, of course, and what do you know about this and that? And I think a lot of people who don't have a lot of quotes, you know, but, uh, passages memorized, they feel a little intimidated by that, and they think, oh gosh, they must know the scriptures a lot better than I. Well, no, that just might mean that they have 10, 10 passages that they've memorized and they hold on to, and that's great, but that doesn't mean they're more read or, well, better read than you or something, or they understand them better than you do. But don't be intimidated. You know, it is God speaking to each one of us individually and all of us together. God has given you the Holy Spirit, the ability to to comprehend as much as possible what, what God wants you to do, and then to carry out that. I love what God said to the young prophet-to-be, Jeremiah. When Jeremiah complained, I'm too young, I can't do this. It says that the angel touched his lips and God said, See, I put my words in your mouth. So it doesn't matter how old you are, how much experience you are, how much theology you've had, whatever. God touches us all. He sends us the Holy Spirit. He puts his word in our hearts. God wants to speak his word to you. Listen to this great quote. I'm coming to a conclusion here by St. Therese of Lisieux. I love this. This is what she wrote in her autobiography, The Story of a Soul. Above all, it's the Gospels that occupy my mind when I'm at prayer. My poor soul has so many needs, and yet this is the one thing needful. I am always finding fresh lights there, hidden and enthralling meanings. Love that. So she delighted in reading the scriptures. I'm always finding, she said, fresh insights, fresh lights there, hidden and enthralling messages. And the same is true for us, you know, for myself, even as a 54-year-old bishop. When I read the scriptures, I'm amazed. There, There are times when I think, I have never come across that passage. I've never heard that before. That's brilliant. That's the Holy Spirit just constantly revealing the living word to me and to you. And then lastly, I just want to conclude with this last thing from the great biblical scholar, St. Jerome, who sums everything up really well. He He wrote this, The Church forcefully and specifically exhorts all the Christian faithful to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of the divine scriptures. And then he said this, and this is a famous quote, Ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. In other words, to know the Lord. If we want to know the Lord, we must know the scriptures and read them constantly. Great. So that's the introduction on the Word of God, on the Bible. And so the next time I will dive right into the first five books, that is the Torah, the Pentateuch, and the historical works of the Bible. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today to the Gaudium et Spes podcast. If you would like to know more about our podcast, please visit gaudiumetspes.net or go to ptdiocese.org and click the button that says podcast. If you listen to the audio version from an app such as iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, be sure and rate, review, and comment. If you watched us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe or leave us a comment there as well. Thank you for joining us.